Hey, welcome to the Fanboy Strike Back Weekly Review Podcast, episode 48. Strike Back Week Review Podcast. I'm David. I'm Eric. And we are the fanboys of Strike Back. Every week we go and we read the comics that came out. Uh, since our opinions mean so much, one of us will pick what we thought was the best book of the week. We'll write a little review of that on our site, fanboystrikeback.com. Then we'll come here to the podcast. We'll talk about these books, uh, movie news, comic news. Uh, we're going to talk about the week's books and we're going to talk about with the success of The Dark Knight, that WB, Warner Brothers, they want to remake some of DC's um, icons into here are movies again, but they want to make them a little bit darker. So we're going to give our opinion on those little rumors. But um, books come first. Uh, these are going to be spoiler-filled reviews. So if you want to don't want to be spoiled, uh, you know, come pause the podcast, come back later. Eric, what did you pick as the best thing that you read this week? Ooh, sorry, sorry, I was yawning. Hey, what? You're, you're, you're kind of long-winded. I'm tired. <laughs> Not the only... Okay, 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 okay. Uh, uh, what I picked this week was uh, Detective Comics number 848, uh, continuing with the Heart of Hush storyline, which is loosely, and I, I air quote loosely, uh, tied in with Batman R.I.P. Uh-huh. Now, one would do well to forget that it's tied in with R.I.P. This story works perfectly fine. Nay, nay, nay. This story works better, best on its own. <laughs> um, it just, uh, they, the half-handed attempts, it's like they don't even really want to tie it in. Um, this is supposed to be like several days before Grant Morrison's story. Fine. Um, but, but really it stands on its own as a better story by itself. And so just ignoring any other continuity and just looking at it like that, this is this is freaking awesome. Uh, written by Paul Dini, uh, drawn by Dustin Nguyen, and uh, who I'm, I'm loving both. And I said in my written review how when Dini started his Detective Comics run, he, uh, it was very much like the animated series. And he'd said in interviews that he wanted to do, he wanted to push the boundaries and do things that they couldn't on the animated show. And so he's really started doing that on this book with the Joker Satana storyline, and now with this one especially, this book was dark. I mean, it was... Uh, the art style definitely helps that out, but just the tone of the book with a child kidnapping, uh, they've really brought Hush back into the spotlight, and they've really kind of twisted the dementia on Hush. The, the character of Tommy Elliot, his motivation for not liking Bruce Wayne uh, was really fairly weak, I'll, I'll, I'll admit. Um, here, here they uh, they keep doing flashbacks into Tommy's life and, and his relationship with his mother, uh, which happened. You know, she was crippled in the car accident that Tommy caused secretly to try and kill both both his parents, and he had to live with her. And it was kind of a kind of a psycho type storyline where uh, it's a boy and his mother type story. But um, we get flashbacks to that his current plan, which uh, teaming up with the Scarecrow and also abducting Selena Kyle. Uh, they really play up the mad surgeon angle of him, and he's really 
he's actually really terrifying. You know, he goes after Selena. Of course, Selena and Bruce had the relationship in Hush. And where this leaves off was uh, he abducts Selena and basically takes her heart out. And what we see at the end of the story, he keeps her alive by attaching her to a bunch of uh, medical machines. Like he, keep... he literally takes her heart out? Yeah, he, he attaches her to a bunch of machines that basically keep her going. And Bruce walking into a hospital room with Selena with her chest open and all these tubes coming out and, and her heart gone. So it's a up. little... It's a little, yeah, a little far-fetched, but at the same time, like, it was creepy seeing this image of Selena with, like, her chest open and all this, like, medical machinery surrounding her, like, keeping her alive. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's creepy. Like I said, they really play up the, the surgeon angle. And uh, another thing I said in my review is this, this book reads a lot like the old 90s series Shadow of the Bat, which focused on darker Batman stories. And I love this. This is, this is great. It's, a, it's kind of, uh, or, well... It's very much in that same vein, and I would be very happy if uh, if both uh, Paul and Dustin just kept kept writing on this book forever because it's this is exactly the Batman that I want. If you're not getting, you know, the weird Morrison stuff, go to Detective Comics because this is just good old fashioned Batman, psychological Batman. All right, that sounds pretty pretty creepy to me. Yeah, it is. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to, I want to talk about Trinity real quick just because there's something that I've been wanting to ask you about that's been going on that I don't understand. John Stewart's in this book because you know because he's the JLA's Green Lantern now. Um, uh-huh. And something's going on with him like he he's like infected with some kind of techno organic virus where he like he basically turns into a machine. Where the crap is that coming from? Have you seen that? He turned. Wait, what? He turns into a machine. He's got a virus that turns him into a machine. Yeah, it's like he. Everyone, it's like everyone knows this. It's like it's been happening for a while because everyone on the no. team is talking to him about like his power condition and what's going on with him. And then, like he he his body will turn into like a machine. Like it will start mutating and stuff. And I'm like, this isn't happening in Green Lantern. That's for sure. I didn't. No, see it's this not. Happening. It's not in Justice League either, because actually Hal Jordan is still spotlighted more in Justice League than Jon Stewart. Then where the crap so, is this happening? I mean, unless this that's happened why this, and maybe this happened in Trinity so far and I wasn't paying attention, but that doesn't make any sense. That's why I don't read Trinity. Yeah, it's weird. It's, he's like He starts talking in binary code and stuff. Yeah. No. That pass. Pass. <laughs> it's really, really bizarre. Um, but yeah, the, this week Trinity was wasn't so great. Uh, a little bit more confusing and convoluted, and all that. So, good so stuff. you dropped Countdown fairly shortly. Bagley art. That's all I. Hey, hey, if Bagley would have drawn Countdown, I would have bought every single issue. Are you, Are you really gonna buy every single issue if it's that bad? I don't think it's. I honestly don't think the story is that bad. I don't think the story is Countdown bad. First of all, like Countdown was horrible, yes, but the the I think the real reason why Countdown was horrible, horrible was the fact that it was supposed to lead into Final Crisis and it didn't. So there was no point to Countdown. With Trinity, it's separate from everything going on in the DCU. I can read this. I don't have to think about anything else, and I'm fine with that. Okay. So I, I know what I'm getting myself into. 
I'm having right. a good time. I love Bagley's arts, which I can say much, you know, way more than any of the art in Countdown. And I think Busick needs to take the story somewhere because 14 issues. I still have no idea what the crap's going on. But all right, all right. 180 degrees away from Detective Comics is Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. Um, here, here. I'm still loving. I'm still loving this book. How about you? Oh, I, yeah, I think it's great. I I am so glad that I picked this up and that it is now in my box. I uh, I love the scenes of like Spider-Man interacting with Mary Jane. I love the scenes of her at her first job and kind of goofing up. Um, that's part of this, the the aspect of this book is like I just want Peter to have a moment as Peter with her right. uh, because you know there's there's always like something where she she starts to confess to him or talk to him and then he's like something happens like gotta go. I th- but I thought that, that but that's kind of the point. Like I thought that that was the best part of this issue is where Peter comes in and she's like excited to actually talk to Peter and then he sees that Craven the Hunter is attacking and he's like, uh, I got to take off. And it's cool seeing that because you always see that from from Peter Parker's point of view, but you never see that from Mary Jane's point of view, and it always like leaves you want more. Yeah. No, it, it's true, and I do love that aspect. And I just liked at the end how how she's walking home and he shows up. Yeah, that was and she doesn't really know good. who he is, but you know, it was just really like sweet, kind of tender moment, like of him just like you know he's smiling under that mask, like he's finally getting what he wants, and the whole thing of she's gonna kind of look out for him too. Um, this may where, sound really corny and dumb, but like the end of this book and everything, like this entire issue, just honestly, it made me feel like I was like thirteen years old again. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it just uh, it it was uh, emotional without being sappy. And yeah, like where, sweet. yeah, exactly. Where Ultimate Spider-Man is kind of the same character, but it's much more action-packed and humorous. Mm-hmm. This is this is much more sweet and uh, tender, right. and that's that's perfectly fine. Like I'm, you know, I'm, you know, a dude in my late twenties, and I I enjoy this book. So yeah, it was great. I, yeah, I I'll admit it. I, I, I like a tender, sweet book. <laughs> um. Real quick, X-Men Manifest Destiny came out. I don't even know what the, this is. It's one of four. Can't tell you why, what's going on or why I bought it, but I can tell you that this was a horrible book and just pissed me off in so many different ways. Really? Oh, gosh. Where do I begin? This is um, the one with Iceman, right? Yes, Iceman's on the cover. Um I'm not sure if I've mentioned this on the podcast, but Iceman, Bobby Drake, is actually my favorite X-Men. So I was like, oh, finally, they're going to do something with Bobby. He's, he's going to come back to the X-Men. Well, what we see in this first, because this is like, uh, I don't know, there was three separate stories in this one. The first story was with, with, uh, was with Bobby, and something's going on with his powers back in Carrie's run. Mystique, they said Mystique... Uh, slipped him some nanobots or something like that and so now his powers are getting out of control and like he really he he feels like he's so cold that his he feels like his he's almost on the verge of death uh, wait i i thought bobby was one of the ones who lost his powers in m-day no bobby bobby thought he lost his powers in m-day it turned out that he didn't really lose his powers but it was one of it was sub, it was like subconscious like he wanted to be free of his mutation, that he couldn't trigger his powers anymore. 
That was convenient timing. But he got his powers back, and that was the whole. And that was the whole exchange between him and Emma, and that was actually kind of cool because Emma's like, you know, you're weak, you have your powers, you're just afraid of them, you don't even deserve your powers, and that. But that was a while ago. Okay. Um. So his powers are all messed up, and he talks to Hank, and Hank's like, yeah, "Come on in to San Francisco. We'll take care of you. Come get checked out." So he's with uh, Opal, and Opal was his girlfriend from. Jeez, I don't even know how old that was. That's 80s, 90s. She's a human, blah, blah, blah. Well, on the way to the, to San Francisco in the Blackbird, turns out that Opal is Mystique. Mystique shoots Bobby. Bobby falls out of the Blackbird into a cliff, and it's to be continued. I thought they liked each other. Well, she turned on him. And that was the whole thing. Like, she turned on him, and then apparently that's when she infused him with these nanobots, okay? Now, here's, uh, here, here, here's the thing. A couple things. First of all, Bobby Drake is one of the founding members of the X-Men, and with his personality, he should be there still. Like, Bobby is one of the characters, much like Warren, where it seems like people just do not know what to do with him. They put him on the team, he's gone. On the team, he's gone. They need to figure something out. Second, and more importantly, is that the last time we saw Mystique was in the Wolverine story arc right after Messiah Complex, where Wolverine was sent to kill her. And the last time we saw Mystique, Wolverine had basically gutted her and was leaving her to die. And well, that was we not did... that long ago. We just saw her next men Legacy last week. No, she was in Legacy. Yes, she was. Her and Rogue had a scene. No, that wasn't her. That oh, was that was actually, her. That wasn't actually yeah. her. That was Rogue's memory of her. Or Rogue. Damn it, X-Men! That was because Rogue touched her and absorbed her personality. So that's what that was. Right, 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 right. Now I'm looking that, at that, it. That makes sense. No, I, I was actually confused by that too. Because I was like, isn't Mystique kind of dead right now? And I was like, oh, that's her personality in Rogue. So that really pissed me off. Because, I mean, I don't want to get... I don't want to get all in continuity, but, like, that was a big deal. Like, the whole point of Wolverine's book after Messiah Complex is that he's going to go take care of, you know, Mystique. And that story actually had some meaning to it, while this story is like a throwaway. Um, I don't understand anything that's going on. And then there was a story with Boom Boom from X-Force and Karma from the New Mutants, who are two characters that no one really cares about. They're characters that I like, but characters that don't really deserve a spotlight over anyone else. This book was horrible. It was just bad. Hmm. And it pains me to say that, but this, it was awful. Just, <laughs> just awful. So, okay, well, uh, I, I did like X-Men Legacy last week. I, I went back and got yeah, it. You, right. you, it was it good, was... huh? The conversation and everything? Yeah, I liked it. So this is X-Men Manifest Destiny 1 through... Uh, this is 1 to 4. I am not going to pick this up again, and I urge other people to do the same, unless you have a lot of money that you don't care if you're disappointed. <laughs> so. If you're a gambler. Yeah. Uh, something I'm loving, again, as always, Green Lantern number 34. Yes, this is like my one good book this week. Uh, this... How freaking awesome is this? Um, this is really, I, really good. I went back recently and I reread Emerald Twilight. And in that, 
that was my first real exposure to Sinestro. And that was, of course, the classic scene where uh, Hal had gone crazy, the Guardians had unleashed Sinestro and given him a ring back to take down Hal Jordan. And, of course, that it's a big fight, big showdown, where Hal supposedly snaps Sinestro's neck. But it was it was great for the time. And now going back, like, reading that, and then reading the Sinestro Corps War, and, I mean, here's here's a dude who's just flat-out evil. Like, he's, he's Space Hitler. And then Jeff Johns flips it around, and, and Sinestro Corps wasn't that long ago. It's maybe, like, six months. What? No, but maybe a year ago? Ended about, about six months ago? about six months ago. And then he turns it around, and, like, Sinestro's awesome in this book. Mm-hmm. You really like him. You really do. Like, what the... Jeff Johns is just toying with me here. Um, but it, it's so good. It's so, so good. And I love, like, there's such a contrast, well, a comparison between him and Hal Jordan at different stages in their life. Like, if Hal had still done the gone crazy thing, like, and became a bad guy, it would it would have almost completely followed in Sinestro's footsteps. Mm-hmm. As far as doing anything to, he had to do to make, to put order and do things right in his eyes. Um, which I still find fascinating. But regardless of that being retcon now, here's two people who are just so much alike, and I love seeing them team up. Yeah, um, I just went back and read the Sinestro Core War. I bought the two trades. And I loved Sinestro in that. Like, he's... We've talked about it. Like, sometimes the villains who... The best villains are the ones who are doing... They think they're doing what's right. They're not trying to... They're not after money or... I mean, Joker is a great villain because he's after chaos, but Sinestro just wants order. And it's kind of like... Um, it's kind of like the Emperor in Star Wars. You know, he does really bring order to the galaxy, and that's what he tries to do. But oh, yeah, exactly. It's just about how he gets there, and that's exactly what Sinestro does. Like... I mean, Sinestro ends up being the greatest Green Lantern, and his sector and his planet, you know, it's perfect, but, you know, he's a, he's a tyrant. And you really, like, this is a new, totally new side, just like Eric said, that we, we've seen to Sinestro, and, and this is, it's so fresh, and it's so cool, and it's just, it's so believable. Like, it's, and it, just like you said, like, it's it's shocking to see that, you know, He's he's been known as this huge villain all along, and it's totally believable that he's this great and upstanding guy that we love in this storyline right here. Yeah, I, I don't know I how Jeff so Johns is doing that. it, but it's amazing. So impressed by that, and also like this this origin story. I'm you know people are saying you know, oh you know I don't want another origin or retelling. Screw it. I'm so glad to have this as opposed to, like, uh, Emerald Dawn and Emerald Dawn 2, which were just awful storylines. I mean, Emerald Dawn 2 was the other uh, Sinestro as a Green Lantern story, and this is just so much better. And I like so, the, the addition of the whole little prophecy where Atrocitus, or whatever his name is, talks about how Sinestro is, going, is the one that, that can bring them down. So... Hopefully, we'll see him on you know one side of, of the war against them, and which is what we've talked about, and that's kind of the big theory is that in the upcoming Blackest Night, that Sinestro will be somewhat on the Green Lantern side. But going back again and just reading uh, Sinestro Core War, like the end where he gets what he wants, and they they have these new laws, and 
it's just he's just a cool character just such a cool character yeah I, I mean it's interesting how you know and twist it around and then add new things that are that are going to be relevant in a brand new storyline next year I mean I, I it it blows my mind it's so good so it's it's nice to have Green Lantern at, at the top yeah, it's. I mean, it's not even at the top. I mean, it's. It is the pinnacle right now. Like it, the Green Lantern is what a superhero comic, sh- you know, strives to be right now. Mm-hmm. So kind of a light week. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't pick much, up a whole lot. Not, a, not but, a great week for me, anyway. Um, it was okay. I think. I think it had a lot of quality in mind. So Warner Brothers wants to make Superman dark. Uh, not is not not a good idea. No, um, I I really hope executive shooting his mouth off. But what they wanted, what they said they want to do is they look at Dark Knight and be like, well, the movie is all about evil, and that's why it was so successful. Why are people so dumb? Oh, this actually, when I heard about this, this immediately just made me just so upset. I don't know if it takes like a certain IQ level to be a movie executive. I know. <laughs> Like, why can't they say, oh, okay, well, maybe it's about the character, Batman's dark, so that you cannot, you cannot do a dark Superman movie. It is... Like I, I understand doing a dramatic Superman movie, and right. that's kind of what they did with the last one. But, yeah, but that's at the, too dramatic. The, the thing is, the, the most... Uh, the, the best performing superhero movies are the ones that are truest to the character and truest to the original source material. Dark Knight is the case. Iron Man is the case. The original Spider-Man was, yep. was the case. Um, now, you know, if you take Superman and make him unrecognizable or, or grizzled, you know, you can't take Superman and make him the Punisher. So, I don't Superman's know what they like have. The, Superman's like the one exception to these heroes where you can... You can almost be as cheesy as you can be, and it works because that's what that's what Superman is. Like Superman is the best of us, you know. Superman's what the, he's who the other heroes look up to. Like a good example is like, what's that? He's the inspiration. Yes, exactly. Like you know, in every Spider-Man movie, there's a point where Peter and Spider-Man they're he's swinging around. And behind him is American flags. Like that's the kind of crap that you can see in a Superman movie. You know, it just needs to be nice, fun. It needs to be something more so than I think any other books that's relatable to kids. Also, I mean, it's it's Superman. How can you, you no? You can't make Superman dark. Yeah, I I don't know. That really worries me. Um, I mean, I could see doing like I said a a different tone, like, raising the stakes, that's all fine. They kind of did that in the last movie, but people just didn't take to it. Like, adults were complaining that they couldn't take their kids to see that movie, which I, I don't really understand. I mean, the last super I, I agree with that, though. I, I think it was, there's too much content. I think, like, if I was a kid watching that movie, I would I would have been bored. I don't think it was too dark. I just think it was too too deep, too dramatic. You know, I think if I was, like, an eight-year-old, I'd be like, why isn't he punching someone? Well, yeah, and that goes back to the you need Need someone to, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I enjoyed 
take that they did on the last movie, and I would like to see that continued. It doesn't sound like it's going to, but what I really am scared about is, you know, we might get another Tim Burton version of Superman or a John Peters uh, version of Superman, and that's terrifying to me. Yeah, I don't, I mean, okay, because they're talking about how they're going to do the Supermax movie, which is Green Arrow in prison. That can be a dark movie. That fits the character. I it's mean, that, never going to happen. Yeah, I don't. I mean, David Goyer is supposed to be attached to it, and he kind of usually gets his stuff made for the most part. And I think it's kind of weird to do it in that setting, but whatever. I mean, if they want to do that dark, that can be dark. They're talking about doing Green Lantern. And, I mean, obviously Hal Jordan can work as a darker character, but I don't still... I just... I hate it. Like, this is why comic book movies and just, like, movies in general fail. Because some movie does huge, and then these executives are like, okay, we need to do what that movie's doing, regardless of the subject matter. And then that's where we get these quali- like these films that are just aren't up to par, and then they tank, and then that's where these trends come in. Like, this could be, like, the why, like, you know, we're talking about how comic book movies have been doing good so far. This could be why comic movies don't do well, because we start taking something and trying to make it be like the Dark Knight, which is exactly what we do not need to do. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Hopefully someone's going to be smarter than that. Uh, yeah, I really hope so. I mean, the the best hope is that a director gets attached to the project who cares about Superman. Yeah, like, I was not a huge fan of Superman Returns, but I would be totally on board if Brian Singer did the sequel, because I feel like he was just establishing the characters in the first one, and I, and I think that he would really, you know, get into the characters in the sequel. At this point, you know, just like you said, I, it doesn't seem like they're going to give it back to him. And uh, that just worries me. Because they're talking about, like, they want it to be a mix of The Incredible Hulk and Dark Knight. And, <laughs> Which is just so stupid to say. Like, it's like, yeah, let's take the best, you know, comic book movies this summer and mash them together and make it Superman. Like, that's got to make money. Like, I, I just don't get, like, what goes through their minds. Like... You you can't you, you you just can't do that. Like each movie is its own separate entity. You can't just like say we'll make it exactly like this and put a different character in it. It'll make boatloads of money. Yeah. Like it, it, I just it boggles my mind. Yeah, and then just um, and you know, another movie news. This hasn't been finalized, but now there's a lawsuit that's holding up the release of Watchmen. Um, and I don't understand because apparently. Fox had the option for the movie, I guess, because who's yeah. releasing it? Someone else is releasing it. Maybe it's Sony. Maybe not. But Fox apparently has the rights to the movie, and I don't understand, like, how did, how can that happen? How can they have made the movie without knowing that Fox had the rights? Because Well, I, th- I think it just, you know, it sounds like it's just a administrative error or something like that. Like, someone thought something went through, and now, now that there is a product... Someone's gone back and said, no, 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 that's ours. You can't do anything. You know, it, it's going to get settled. Too much of that movie has been made that it, it would... Well, yeah, the movie's done, but they're talking about already how they're going to delay the release because they're saying that the, the trial's not going to even be done by March, I guess, and that's when the movie was supposed to hit. So if it actually even... Even if it delays it, like, that sucks. And I, and I, and I agree. Like, I, I know eventually, I mean, this movie's been made. It's going to be settled. But if it actually delays the movie from coming out, that's just... I just I wonder, like, 
what guy, you know, dropped the ball there. Yeah. And I would just absolutely hate to be that guy. <laughs> Someone's losing their job. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's just, it's stupid uh, corporate bickering, basically. Which is fine, because the Watchmen movie is going to be horrible, just like the trade. Anyway, it's so. going to be awesome. You bite your tongue. <laughs> hey, I speak the truth, okay? Don't, you don't speak the truth. Don't get mad at me. Ah, you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, okay, um, any, anything else? Anything else we need to vent? I think that's it. We're doing we're doing a short show this week. Next week's going to be a good show. Um, finally get our hands on the Star Wars game, Force Unleashed. And Rock Band 2 comes out next week, so very excited about that. Probably going to have a little Rock Band 2 release party. We're going to have Clock from the Clock Talk podcast pretty soon. Uh, we tried to have him on a couple weeks ago, and we're having some technical difficulties, but uh, we're going to have him on here. We're really excited about that. We're, we're both big fans of his show, so mm-hmm. that should be cool. And I think that's it. Yep. So uh, if you have any uh, questions or comments about the show, you can uh, always email us at contact at fanboystrikeback.com, or you can go to our website, at www.fanboystrikeback.blogspot.com and that is where we post our written reviews of the week as well as other uh, comic news and we have a link to our forums and that's where you can also contact us you can uh, reply to uh, articles and postings that we've talked about or you can post your own and get us to talk about them we love to see you on there uh, and you can also find us on uh, many many podcatchers yep uh, you can find us on iTunes, Podcast Alley Pretty much any podcaster out there. If you like the show, please leave us a review. Helps us out a lot. Helps other people find us. Um, if you like the show, tell your friends. Come visit the sites. Um, come over to the forum. Um, we, we talk about everything on the forum. Doesn't even have to be comic book related. I had to um, air a little bit of other frustration because uh, the new season of 90210 premiered this past week. And I had to put my thoughts on that on the forum because... Yes, I was a very big fan of the old 90210 series. I don't, I don't, I don't really think that there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that anyway. There may be. Oh, you and your stories. <laughs> hey, you leave me alone with my stories. I know. Um, so yeah, you can email us, come to the site. You can also um, drop us a line in voicemail, uh, 206-350-2354. Give us a call, leave a message, you have a question or a comment, we'll play it on the air, answer it on the air. Love to hear from you. And yeah, I think that's it for this week. So we will see you guys next week. When you talk about 90210, now I know how my father feels when I quote Back to the Future. Hey, 90210 was a very, it was ahead of its time. You see all the little crappy gossip girls and Degrassi? That, hey, direct spawns of 90210. Good stuff. I still watch it on the Soap Network, actually. Thank you very much. Now he looks like an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll see you next week. (laughs) 